welcome to the Volva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. So today we're going to talk to Dr. Deborah Bierenbaum, who's an OBGYN at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center in New Hampshire, and we're going to talk about genital warts. Hi, Dr. Bierenbaum. Hi, Dr. Selk. How are you? I am great. So why don't you tell us how common genital warts are? So genital warts, or HPV, is the most common STD in the world. And we think that at least 75% of sexually active adults have been infected at some point with HPV. The prevalence rate of HPV is around 10 to 20% among unvaccinated individuals. So genital warts are extremely common. And how do you treat them? So first, let's talk about how you diagnose genital warts. It's usually done on physical exam, and these warts can look like soft cauliflowers, usually raised soft to firm lesions. There are multiple ways that you can treat genital warts. It's important to know that a third of warts can regress on their own within four months. The only reason to treat them, quite honestly, is if they bother the patient or they're itchy, burny, or bleeding, or the patient doesn't like having these lesions on their vulva. So there are multiple different treatments that you can use to basically destroy or eradicate warts. In the old days, when I first started treating warts, we had two options. The first option was podophyllin. The second option was trichloroacetic acid in various concentrations, 80 to 90 percent. My experience when you first see especially a young patient with warts is that they can be really hard to treat because it seems like we have to wait for the patient's own immune system to kick in as well as use these topical treatments. So usually with either podophyllin that you have in the office or trichloroacetic acid, they can be applied weekly for several months to see if you can get rid of these lesions. And so what I usually do is that I have the option of having topical numbing lidocaine or EMLA in the office. I'll apply this over the lesions and then come back and use the back of a Q-tip to either place podophyllin on it or trichloroacetic acid. I haven't used podophyllin actually in years in the office, so my go-to treatment now is trichloroacetic acid in the office. I apply with again with the back of a Q-tip until the lesion turns white. I then apply Vaseline over the area and tell the patients to take a shower before they go to sleep that night. Podophyllin now is most commonly can be prescribed and the patient can apply this on their own at home. It's used twice a day, three days on, four days off. 
The other option that I use in the office is cryotherapy. This is similar to what dermatologists have in their office to treat skin lesions. And you again direct the spray of the liquid nitrogen to the lesion until it turns white. And then you do a thaw and then a refreeze. I'll usually see the patients weekly if I'm seeing them in the office or sometimes every other week, depending upon how irritated they are. And sometimes it can take several months, especially if the patients are young, to eradicate these lesions. Another thing that used to be used in the old days is 5-FU or 5-fluorouracil. We no longer use that on a routine basis. The most commonly prescribed treatment that I use for patients who are willing to treat warts at home is something called Aldera or Miquimod 5%. It also comes in a 3.75% packet, but I haven't had experience with this. Amiquimod is used um, three times a week. The patients need to be comfortable, again, applying with the back of a Q-tip. The most common side effect is that this can be really irritating for the patients and they have to be willing to do this at home. Aldera comes in little packets and I think that the drug company wants the patient to use one packet per treatment, but I advise that they can ration out the Aldera and this can be an extremely well-tolerated way for a patient if she doesn't want to come into the office weekly for treatment. Another prescription product is called Sinecatechins. I have no experience using this. It's used three times a day for up to four months. There's no information about this product during pregnancy. It's expensive and should not be used in immunosuppressed patients. So what happens if a patient comes in and they have a large bulk of warts, or they say they've been treating these at home and the topicals haven't worked? Surgical Ablation is certainly an option, but only if outpatient treatment hasn't been effective. Either cautery or laser can be used. I think there's some concern now about uh, the smoke with laser ablative treatment, so that's just something to keep in mind. I recently saw a patient who had extremely bulky disease and she went to the operating room to have the bulky, warty disease removed. And because she had a, a wide area of essentially open skin, her recovery was painful and prolonged. In a patient that has had warts for a long time, and you have any concern that either they're hyperpigmented, they haven't responded to treatment, the patient is a long-term smoker or has a history of precancer of the cervix, biopsy should always be considered just to make sure you're dealing with a genital wart and not with a vulvar precancer or VIN.
So basically anything that's not getting better or uh, looks pigmented or very symptomatic, bleeding, that sort of thing, we need to biopsy. Yes, especially in the older patient. This is so common in our younger, newly sexually active women who have not had the Gardasil vaccine. In older women, we always worry a little bit more about the IN or precancer. That's an important point. I know the Australians who started vaccinating their young people before the rest of the world and boys and girls together, that they say that they don't really see genital warts in their sexually transmitted infection clinics in people in their 20s anymore. It's important to remember that both the quadrivalent and the current nanovalent vaccine cover for type 6 and 11, which cause 90% of the anogenital warts. So that's probably the best pretreatment that we can offer young women to try and actually prevent the appearance of warts. And if someone comes in and they have warts and they haven't gotten Gardasil, it's never too late to consider a vaccination. So you talked a lot about all kinds of different treatments. How do you treat warts when they appear in pregnancy? So podophyllin and miquimod, sinicatechins are all contraindicated in pregnancy. So the most common treatment that I use is trichloroacetic acid or TCA or cryotherapy. The other option is not to treat in pregnancy, but most women do want these treated. Unfortunately, even despite treatment, there can be a very, very small risk of transferring the HPV virus to the newborn. Before I get to that, probably the only reason to take someone to the operating room is if they have massive condylomas that are obstructing the birth canal or vaginal introitus. I've never seen that. Have you, Dr. Selk? No, I have only in textbooks. Right. The risk of juvenile respiratory papillomatosis or JRP is exceedingly rare It occurs in about 1 to 400 women who have the HPV virus. Unfortunately, elective cesarean section has not been shown to prevent vertical transmission of HPV. It's always awkward to have to tell patients about this if they ask if there are any risks of having warts during pregnancy. I think it's our responsibility to at least discuss this with our patients. I should say that imiquimod has not been studied in pregnancy. Again, pedophilin, interferon, and 5-FU are all contraindicated. And I guess the other important thing is that we don't actually know that treating warts in pregnancy prevents any transmission to the baby. That's correct. So the other group that's complicated to treat are the immunocompromised patients, like the renal transplants people on immunosuppression. And do you have any tips about treating them? Because they seem to be a group that things, whether it's warts or other HPV-related disease, they just keep getting recurrences. So I think Aldera or Iniquimod is a great treatment option for these women because they can use it at home. It's important, though, to just biopsy them to make sure you're not dealing with a VIN 
and then encourage them if they're comfortable doing home treatment. Again, I have seen these patients weekly as well, and it really depends on the level of comfort with these women as they can be older and maybe not as comfortable self-treating. I don't have any other tips or tricks. Do you? Uh, no, I think they are hard. And you bring up a Miquimod a lot. I don't know how much it costs in the United States or what the coverage is like. In Canada, Miquimod is extremely expensive drug and not covered by many of our drug plans and things. So for a lot of our patients, it's actually an out-of-reach medication. And so does that mean you're prescribing pedophilin for home use or is that expensive as well? I find that we actually end up doing more in-person treatment with liquid nitrogen or TCA, the trichloracetic acid, or sometimes uh, if there's just a few very small ones, you might snip them off. And it, it just depends. But if they can tolerate the amicomod and they can afford it, it's a great, great drug. It's just not accessible to a lot of people. So I guess I forgot to mention that on occasion, I'll have a patient who has a solitary wart. And I just had someone who had a solitary perianal wart, and she requested that I remove it. So you're right. These can easily be snipped off as well if they just have a solitary or one or two lesions. For our population, I think that imiquimod is covered for Medicaid and Medicare. But again, I encourage the patients to double dip into those individual packages. Well, I think that's amazing. Hopefully more places in the world adopt that. <laughs> that's one place where you have better coverage. <laughs> Probably the only the only place. Um, so I think one of the key points that you made was that you do not have to treat genital warts unless somebody is really bothered by them. And of course, if you're worried about how something looks, you biopsy it. But that in general, that a lot of these in a, an immunocompetent person will just get better on their own. That's correct. In my experience, though, most women do want these removed. The other thing, if someone comes in with genital warts, I have seen warts and molluscum together. I've seen warts and herpes together. So you should check for other STDs. Smoking can be a risk for warts. It's important to mention that circumcision could actually decrease the risk of transmission. Do you have any other key points or take-home points for our listeners? I think my only take-home point is that I don't hesitate to use numbing, and I just want to get back to that because a lot of my coworkers are surprised when I say, let's just leave her for 10 to 15 minutes with some numbing, and the patients tolerate it so much better because any of these ablative treatments can really sting and burn. The use of Vaseline afterward or even some topical lidocaine afterward can be helpful because remember, if warts fall off, you're then going to have an area of open skin and it can be a little itchy or irritated. I think the gynecologic oncologist can be helpful with these bulky lesions because they may have extra experience with laser. Another point that I try and teach my residents is when you're doing colposcopy, always look at the vulva. I've found warts multiple times when other providers have neglected to check their vulva when they're doing their pap smear. 
great. I think that was a very good review. Thanks for your help. Thank you. And again, that's Dr. Deborah Bierenbaum, who's an OBGYN at Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center in New Hampshire. 